Hello, I am James Woodcock for ConsoleMonster.com, and this is MonsterCast number 8. As usual, I am joined by Rob Ryman, who is a little sniffly today, so welcome again, Rob. Hello, uh, yes, a little bit of a cold uh, today, but I'm sure we'll get through. I'm sure we will. And, of course, Marty Greenwell. Hello. So, Marty, let's begin with you today. You reviewed Lara Croft and the Guardian of Light, giving it a whopping 90%. So, what is it about the game you love so much? There's pretty much everything about the game. It's What they've done is they've, they've taken the Tomb Raider idea and they've turned it on its head and made it 3D isometric as opposed to the stuff we were used to on PlayStation and every game that's been on the consoles ever since. Uh, it's really, really invigorated the uh, the series, really needed it. it. It plays well, it handles well, loads to explore, loads to do. Only lasts about five to six hours on a run through, but plenty of scope for replay on it. It's, it's really nice, really atmospheric game. So is this a game that's finally worth... In your opinion, the 1,200 Microsoft points. Well, I, I was lucky I didn't have to pay 1,200 Microsoft points for it. <laughs> it's it getting a, the question. Oh, yes, that was a <laughs> cunning was, way of getting out of it. Come on, Marcy, it was you can do better than that. Um, but I have bought 1,200 uh, Microsoft point games in the past, and uh, yeah, I would have gladly paid 1,200 points for this myself. So in conclusion, you would severely recommend this title at 1,200? Well, the only downside to it is that we haven't got the online multiplayer co-op. They kind of dropped that to rush it out for getting it in for the summer of arcade, which is is perhaps not not the best thing. You can still play it multiplayer co-op locally, but if you haven't got anybody else in the house, you're a bit a bit stuffed, really. And there's some achievements around the co-op play that you're not going to get if you haven't got somebody to play with. Well, it, and it changes the whole dynamic of the game as well, so it's something that you, you definitely want to be able to experience. I, I do believe, though, they're actually giving away is it some download content free for the uh, for first time? Yeah, yeah the, for, for the first 30 days, it's going to be free. Uh, and the co-op patch should be somewhere at the end of this month, somewhere into next month. But that's the, the question is, who is anybody going to be playing the game still? Because they have quite short shelf spans that's what's live arcade games well maybe with the free DLC for that period maybe there's every chance well perhaps that will help we can only hope so so with this different perspective have the puzzles changed at all well they've changed in, in so much as that you've got to look at it in a slightly different way uh, there's less area to look around so it, in, if anything it makes them a bit easier but it's still the same stuff of pulling switches and uh, moving objects onto pressure plates and that sort of stuff. I think the the puzzles in the game are actually fairly trivial for the most part. There's the other one or two. Um, they have these special puzzle tombs where you can get relics and uh, artifacts and they'll give you extra uh, bonus powers like extra health regen or um, ammo regen and uh, extra speed boost and this sort of stuff. So there's, there's an element of RPG-ness to it as well. Um, and has our combat changed at all? Well, combat is actually pretty good in the game. It's It's got a whole uh, twin-stick shooter vibe to it. You've got limited ammo for uh, some of the weapons, but you get this magical spear at the beginning of the game, which can be used indefinitely. There's no ammo limit to that. And you can also use that to get to different uh, areas of the game as well. You can chuck it into walls and use it as kind of a step-up 
uh, sort of thing. So it's quite a good dynamic with that. And Rob, have you tried it at all? I haven't. No, I've, I've, I must admit, I, I do want to give it a try, but I'm just a bit worried about this sort of isometric viewpoint and stuff. Um, but I'm, I've been a fan of sort of the, the most recent Tomb Raider games. Um, but dare I say, I, I'm just a bit put off by the price. Um, I think any game at 1,200 points, I'm, I'm always a little cautious of. And, uh, and the same goes really for, for Tomb Raider or Lara Croft. Um, I think, and most likely around Christmas time, it will be part of the deal of the week. Because um, last year we sort of saw the summer um, of arcade games reduced around the Christmas period, or uh, at least a few months after. So I, I think I'm going to hold out and I'll probably wait for it to come down in price before I do purchase it. Um, well, so it's a £3 difference between waiting for it to go on to uh, deal of the week and, and purchasing it now. I mean, yeah, you, you might be, I mean, you might be worthwhile doing that. <laughs> because there might be more people buying up the game then so you can get your co-op achievements so, yeah, I, I don't know I think I'm just going to sit and wait I think it, we're going to get to a very busy period in games now um, during the next few months um, which kicks off with Mafia 2 on, on Friday and I think the next few months I'm just going to be taken up by uh, playing actual proper games or not proper games but you know what I mean proper <gasps> That's not that's not slagging, <laughs> yeah that's not slagging off the arcade games of course I think that's actually superb and I've been playing you know arcade games throughout the sort of summer lull uh, including Limbo and also um, Banjo Tooie which I've been playing um, over the last few days as well and it, it is nice to chill out with a, an arcade game while it's quiet um, you know at retail um, but certainly I think I, I will come back to it perhaps in a, a few months time. But I think it's worthy of its ninety percent, uh, and I think it's worth the twelve hundred Microsoft points. There's there's a full adventure game to it, and as I said before, there's a bit of scope for doing the replayability with all of the challenges that they have through all the different levels. Some some really quite neat ones like getting across this level without touching water, which is uh, difficult to do, and I haven't managed to do that yet. Yeah. So Rob, if you save that three pounds, how wise are you going to spend it? Well, that could buy me a, uh, a rather overpriced Subway sandwich, or of course it could buy me three beers, pints of beer, on a Monday night in Hamlet. Three, three pints? Three, three pints? It's a pound a pint. So uh, that would buy me three pints in um, a particular chain. In fact, r- rather uh, quite a few bars charge a quid a pint. So I could have three pints for that price. So uh, I think <laughs> I'll hold that and save me money. I think I'd be lucky to get one in Stamford for that. <laughs> so if it's between a bit of grog and Laura Croft, you're going for the grog. I'm going to go for the grog, because you only live once, don't you? Fair enough. So this month saw Gamescom, an event held in Cologne, Germany. A number of announcements and confirmations were announced over this period, so I'll mix these and other news into the topics of this podcast. First off, a confirmed UK release date for Gran Turismo 5, which is just a day later than our US counterparts, and it will be released in the UK 3rd of November 2010 to be exact. Now, this has been a game that has been promised for so very long now. What are your feelings about its eventual release? Will it be worth the wait? (laughs) I think it's going to be a a decent enough game, and I've got it pre-ordered. I know it's going to be pretty much identical to or the other ones that have gone before it, but I, I, I saw some screenshots recently, 
and I've got some carting in it, which is new stuff. I have a uh, a track maker, which could be quite interesting. And I think this is the thing that is is probably what made me pre-order it in the end was the fact it includes the Top Gear test tracks. So I can be the Stig. Hey, are you, are you not going for that 150 quid version? Uh, no. Does that come with the Stig's helmet? Uh, sadly not. That, it that, comes with the most pathetic die-cast toy model car. Um, granted, it's got like a big chunky book with it and stuff, but 150 quid for a special edition. I mean, it's not Call of Duty. Um, I, I, would, I would hope to have lessons from the Stig for that sort of money. Well, for 150 quid, you can go down uh, a local racetrack and get your own Ferrari and drive it around for a, an hour or two. That's 150 beers. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it is. But, you know, if you've sort of got that money to burn, you could always do it in real life. But I suppose Gran Turismo is going to give you much more pleasure um, for uh, months and months on end. I've done track days, uh, and to be honest, I stopped doing it because they scared me so much. They, all the other people are complete nutters on them. <laughs> I think Gran Turismo, though, is shaping it. I read a, a little piece in a magazine um, just last week, and I've not really been that excited because I haven't got a PS3, so I, I can't really sort of go out and buy it. Um, but I know there's a big, big buzz um, at work with people sort of pre-ordering, and finally, you know, I've been telling people for the last two years in my job that, you know, oh, it's going to be out before Christmas. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's coming. It's going to be coming. And then, of course, it got pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. And I think come third of November, I think it will be a very exciting time indeed. And I, I think I think it will sell a lot as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think it will. It's inevitable. And move. Um, I, I think it will be more popular than move. So if I had a PS3, it would be a definite buy because there is so so much. I mean, Marty just mentioned the karting in there, uh, and I was like oblivious to the fact they included that as well. Uh, of course, they got the World Rally Championship stuff as well so it is an absolutely um uh, gigantic game and i suppose it's going to fill that blu-ray disc yeah I, i'm just hoping that we don't have to go to that whole licensed stuff again because i've had to do that on every single gran turismo game and it drives me absolutely mad yeah but you your, your driving skills may have sort of faltered over the past few years so it's, it's of course it's going to ask you to retest well, so for I, those I was, who haven't played Gran Turismo, what's the license stuff? Uh, you have to get the race licenses to progress through the game, to drive the different uh, and more, uh, the faster cars. So you you have to do the series of tests in order to qualify for those licenses, and they they're just really annoying because you have to get them absolutely hundred percent perfect. If you go off the grass, you fail instantly. If you run out of room, you fail instantly. If you don't make the, the times, you fail instantly. Uh, it's just really annoying. And Yeah, you, you have to do them, and it teaches you how to corner in the game and all this business. But if you've done them before, they just become an annoyance rather than, than a, yeah, a pleasure to do. And even in the first game, I think they were a chore. And can we judge this as the first true Gran Turismo for the PS3? Can we really include Prologue? Prologue's very good. I was actually playing that earlier this week to get my eye in a little bit for the uh, for the release. Um, it's yeah, you probably probably say it's the first true Gran Turismo for PS3 because the number of vehicles and tracks are pretty limited in Prologue, but it all so, plays the same. I, I, 
if I get a PS3, I've been saying this for two years as well, that I'll be getting a PS3 this Christmas. Well, what's putting you off, Rob? What's putting you off? I don't, I don't know. I think this last year, I think PS3 has, has become, you know, its own sort of uh, console. I think there's some, some absolutely fantastic games that have come out in the past year. But you know what? And I know it sounds really sad, but it all bottles down to sort of the, the online yeah. and the fact that I won't feel connected with, with my sort of Xbox people. There, um, there is, is that sort of thing to it. I'm, I rarely play anything online on PS3. I've given games like MAGA Go, uh, but the whole online experience is definitely superior on Xbox 360. You can still have both consoles and stick to online for the 360. Just pick and choose the titles depending on whether they've got online or not. That's what I tend to do. If it's a PS3 exclusive title that dominates single player, then I tend mm. to get that PS3 game. But if it's coming out on both platforms and it's got a really strong online element, it's a no-brainer. I get it on the Xbox 360. Uh, quite a few PS3 titles coming up. Resistance 3 and the new Ratchet & Clank, all for one game. Infamous 2. And then all the, the move stuff that's so there's got a few exclusives there. You know, if 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 I had a PS3, I'd obviously buy the exclusive, like you say, and, and play those. Um, but I think in terms of multi-platform, it would always be the Xbox 360, and that'd win each time. But I, I just don't feel connected if I bought a con. It's like the Wii. I don't feel connected. I don't feel there's a social element. I don't feel people can see that I've completed Mario Galaxy 2. Yes, it's a personal achievement, but they don't, there's no sort of reward for it, completing it. I don't feel like I've just gone and completed, you know, that Mario game. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Xbox, you feel like people are watching and people are taking notice. About 90% of your friends list probably doesn't give a toss about what <laughs> game you've just completed. But the, the, there are times when I'll go and flick, you know, on, on one of you two's uh, achievements list and I'll have a look at what people have got achievement wise and i'll do that with my mates as well and yeah, I, compare. I, I do that yeah. and I, I don't know what it is but it and i've you know there's people who, who come into the shop at work and say the same thing they're addicted to it and i say but there's no there's no reason why it's just that that sense of achievement no i absolutely understand that i think we've talked about achievements and on the two different platforms before and i said that i, I don't feel the same zing with the with the ps3 ones as i do with the uh, xbox 360 mm. i think i think ps3 itself though I and mean, it's got the iplayer of course it's got itv player which is allegedly coming soon um so it, it's sort of getting you know more and more being added to it and i, I will at some point because the the price is uh, very appealing actually 284 pounds for a 320 gigabyte model and you get yeah, places. which have just, just just been announced, haven't they? The, the bigger hard drive ones. Yeah, so I think that is very tempting. That's a good price. You're getting 50 quid instantly sort of included in that bundle plus a larger hard drive. And no doubt a lot of retailers will bundle some games in. So I think actually that's, that's a, a sort of no-brainer if you're going to go for a PS3. And anyone buying one you know, prior to, to next month is absolutely mad. Um, when they can get the, the bigger hard drives and, and PlayStation mm. Move all bundled together. It's a very, yeah. very marketing move from Sony, I think. Definitely have a look out for those Move bundles, I would, if you've not got a PS3. You definitely sound on the edge of making a decision, Rob. You just need a little push. I need that little push, and I'm sure you, you can help me push push me over the edge. Well, that, that is 285 points, though, Rob. Well, exactly. That's that's a few years worth of uh, nights out. So, 
I, I don't know. Like, I've been working a lot, lot more recently. I was pr- pretty much full time. So who knows? Those wages may go on, on some interesting products this Christmas. But there's so much ga- There's so many games. I'm actually quite scared that um, I can't fit it all in. Um, it's, it really is going to be a bumper, bumper Christmas for games. And I think it's going to be the strongest yet. And I know we say every year, but I do think this year is going to be fantastic. No, absolutely. I think you're right. There's plenty of games over the next few months that are on my radar. I'm not going to be able to afford to buy all of them. No way. So moving on, Virtua Tennis 4 has also been announced to support PlayStation Move. According to the information released so far, Virtua Tennis 4 with the PlayStation Move is much more than just hitting the ball. It's about the angle of the racket, the spin and speed of the ball and the power of the shot. The advanced motion sensors of PlayStation Move will precisely track both the fast and subtle movements of the controller, allowing for pinpoint accurate shots as players improve their racket skills. And here's one for Marty will love. Virtua Tennis 4 will also support 3D TV technology. Woo-hoo. So, That's what do we think to that face. one? Yes, balls in your face. You've actually got a 3D TV, have you? No, I've not. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I'm not a big proponent of uh, 3D TV at the moment, not with the glasses. Hey, I thought then we, we've got sort of the first person in, in the UK to have actually purchased one. Rob, 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 you must remember my uh, my previous podcast stuff on this. <laughs> no, not, not, a big, not a big fan of 3D TV at the moment. I think the technology is going to get there. I said this before, but not, not with the glasses for me. But uh, yeah, balls in your face. Yes, well, well, not maybe that's going to be the title of this podcast. But back to PlayStation Move. Do you think this is a very good move? Well, it, it needs a sports game. If it hasn't already got one, so a tennis game would be pretty decent. And as far as Works arcade really tennis well games on. go, Virtua Tennis is surely right up there. It's one of the best. Yeah, the last game was absolutely superb. That's Virtua Tennis two thousand, was it? 2010 I can't remember I've got so I've got the got the uh, first two games anyway I think if it plays anything like the uh, the Wii table tennis game that has all the with with the um, with the motion plus controller that has all the different angles and you can get your spin on it and all that sort of stuff so if they can pull it off to a, a greater degree than that that'd be excellent I think it's always a good you know tennis can always be pulled off quite well with with motion controls and I think uh you know, if it's going to recognise all the sort of different movements and arm movements, um, you know, I've not actually had the pleasure of playing on the Wii table tennis with Motion Plus. In fact, I've not used a Motion Plus, so I'm just going by what you know the the Wii tennis was like before. And to be honest, it was pretty pretty rubbish. Um, so hopefully, and it, I think it will will be very good. Um, and I can, you know, that's the sort of thing that the family will sort of enjoy playing because you haven't got to move about too much. You just sort of, uh, you know, can stay in your home and, and have a bit of fun with a bit of tennis. So uh, it, it's certainly one of the more accessible sports. What's for me about it, the paragraph I just read, which was uh, off the Console Monster News post, it didn't actually mention anything about angle of shot. It says angle of the racket. So doesn't that mean we can actually steer the ball to go to the left-hand side, the right-hand side? Are we still just worrying about hitting it at the, with a certain amount of timing to it? Is that not how the games currently work? It's the timing of the shot that, that determines where it goes. Exactly. I mean, if we look at Wii Sports Tennis, it's its most basic form. It is just about timing. Mm. 
Well, until we, we get the game and, and see how it it works, I'm not sure there's a lot more we can say. And I'd take it that it will work without the Move controller as well. This, oh, is, yeah. this, is, this is a CMO digital developed title again. Developed yes. in Japan by the original Virtua Tennis team. Oh, Which would be Sega AM2 then. Yeah, so no, they're not, would be the answer to that. Who was it who's responsible for Top Spin? Is that 2K Sports? Cause that, That's I, the publisher, not the developer, isn't it? Right. Because I always thought Top Spin was a good game. and I think First Top Spin was brilliant, and then Top it went downhill a bit. It was a very different game to Virtual Tennis, though. It was more um, sim-oriented than, than the arcade one, and I preferred the Virtual Tennis. But do you, do you reckon they could make a good... You know, good topspin using the motion controls that we're, we're starting to see, or do you think they they're sort of gonna not bother anymore with with that series? Well, it, it would work equally well on either game, I think. I mean, uh, any sports game that you can think of probably works well with motion controls now, or full body control if you want to go down the kinetic route. Mm. Well, we love virtual tennis, and with move, it's got the potential to be more interesting for us to play. So. Fingers crossed, it'll be all good when it's released. So, the big news from the EA Sports camp is that in FIFA 11, we will be allowed to control the goalie. EA Sports has developed a new feature, appropriately called Be a Goalkeeper, that will enable fans to experience the thrill of playing as the keeper. And for the first time in a football game, it will place control of all 22 players on the pitch in human hands. So, who on earth are we going to trust in goal when playing online? Raise your hands now, Marty. Um, probably Certainly not, not me. Certainly not uh, Robert Green, that's for sure. <laughs> that really is drawing the short straw, isn't it, if you get landed with the goalkeeper <laughs> position? That, well, you're going to get so much abuse if you let one in. I think this is, yeah, <laughs> well, you let one out. This, <laughs> this is a, this is a, um, a really strange one to me because I, I had a good think about this and uh, and... 22 players on pitch which sounds on the face of it like a really really good idea but then I got thinking a little bit more about it and who are people going to want to be they're going to want to be the strikers they're going to be want to be the centre forwards they're not mm. going to be want to be the, the goalie who just sits there for a lot of the game doing not very much and people are not going to want to be the defenders because then they're not going to get a chance to score goals but they say you that your team is only as good as your goalkeeper and what you've just said is is correct that people I don't know whether this happened to you guys at school but I was a bit crap at uh, at football and I would always end up in goal or in defence while all the good people would be the strikers which is fair enough you know okay they're better but that you'd never get a touch of the ball and it was like well how do I expand my skills at football if I don't get the chance and I think people you're exactly right people are just going to go online and go yeah I've been a striker yeah that's the best position it's not you need to be a complete team and this is where the problem is because FIFA online if you're a defender everyone just seems to charge forward Mm. so can you imagine the goalie ended up halfway up the pitch it's not going to be a good result (laughs) is it they they can't do this because of the uh, the uh, offside rules so you're not going to have that Um, but what maybe what they want to do is, I just thought about this as well, that you have to rotate the position so you get a chance to play in the different positions throughout the match. Mm. And then you wouldn't have this clamouring to go for the uh, the strikers every time. That'd mm. be a good idea. And there is a new feature as well. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, um, but it's called the, the control sort of centre. 
And if you pre-order the game at the moment through various uh, retailers, I believe, you, you just pop some money down for it. Um, yes, it has come to putting money down for these sort of things. You actually get access to the online control center, which kicks off on the 2nd of September. And you will get access uh, to the sort of, uh, well, get the ability rather to create your own players, your own teams, your own kits. And quite a nifty feature, and I'm surprised it's not been done before, but I, I think it's quite cool, is that you can actually record your own audio. Now, you know when there's all the chanting and, and mm. the, the sort of songs being sung or whatnot? Oh. Um, I don't know, say you went to your local football match. Um, I mean, let's say uh, you know, here in Stoke, go down to the Britannia Stadium and you record the audio of the crowd singing, you know, uh, Y-O-Y Delilah. Um, <laughs> you can actually put that into the real game. So when you're in the stadiums and your team scores, you know, they'll start chanting the, um, the song and you can do exactly the same as well for the players. So if you... Um, if you like get a microphone, record your voice or, you know, and then tinker with it, you can edit it and stuff. You can actually have the crowd chanting your name uh, when you score a goal, which I think is quite cool. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty neat feature. And I'm not sure you'd want some of the chanting in the game of some of the matches that I've been to at Leicester, <laughs> at Leicester City. But you never yeah, know. It sounds like a fun thing. <laughs> I've actually got one of the codes here and... Um, I may well give it away, so uh, keep your eyes peeled to my Twitter at Rob Raymond. Um, oh, that's oh, a we, sneaky plug! Oh, we, we we could give it away on the podcast, and the first person to get to the point and listen to it and should we should we do that? Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, should we do? Should we give it away? Like, Go on, Rob. Go on. Well, we're not mine, live, mine. you know. But right, um, and if it doesn't work, it's because Marty's nicked it. Yeah, I was going to say, don't blame. We have, we have to promise that we will not steal this code. Okay, no fingers crossed, Julius. Have you uh, signed the documents and stuff? Yeah, we, we've signed the relevant NDAs. Right. Yeah. Now, bear in mind, do not go and enter this code now because it will not work for those listening to the podcast. It will work from 2nd of September, so do not enter the code yet. Um, what you'll need to do, though, um, just get out all the boring stuff out of the way uh, you'll need to go to easportsfootball.com that's easportsfootball.com forward slash creation center now that's all one word forward slash creation center now that is the website you'll need to go on um, you'll need to sign up with an ea account so you need to sign in for one of those if you haven't got one if you already have just sign in there and then you will need to enter the code which i'll be reading out very shortly um, this code cannot be used on your Xbox, so don't go onto the Xbox and start redeeming the code. It cannot be used on your Xbox, okay? And this is for anyone who has the PS3 or will be getting the PS3 or the Xbox version. Um, so here goes that code for you. It's G-S-K-7-S-A-2-C-L-M-U-F-X-H-K-7. H. Um, if I could do the phonetic alphabet, I would. But um, <laughs> Foxtrot, Alpha, Tango, yeah, Zulu. I, I, I could do bits of it. Um, so, <laughs> God, we could have some interesting ones coming no, out. Come on, Rob. <laughs> I'm going to get the the phonetic alphabet in front. No, don't cheat. Come on, just make it up. Well, it's, it's on Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's make it up. Let's make it up. Come right. on, Rob. Gaming references, if you can, and we'll give you points. That that code again for you. Golf Sierra K. 
Kangaroo, seven. Sierra, Apple, two. C- con- <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on, this is, this is brilliant. What begins with C? Cat. If anybody gets this code right, they'll be doing amazing. But go on. <laughs> Lima. Mike. Uniform. Foxtrot. Xylophone. Hector. Hector. <laughs> uh, uh, k- kangaroo. Hector. <laughs> right, let's do that once more. G S K seven S A two C L M U F X H K H. That is your code for access to the creation center. The first one to use that from se- September the second will get access. So you cannot use it straight away. Just bear that in mind. So on the 2nd of September, you've got to race to the website and get that code. And if you don't use it, then pity you because it's a great, great thing. And that costs five quid to get that. So it's uh, well worth doing it. And if and you do use it and you get the your... podcast. Yes, we have. So if you, if you get that code and you, you use it, let us know. Yes, please yeah, do. Yeah, do let us know on the Twitter at Console Monster. Or at Rob Ryman. Or at Marty PG13. Or at James Woodcock. We're not fussy. No, indeed not. Or all of us. Yeah, that plugged everybody. We're everybody happy now. Can we move on? <laughs> if we filled some time there, because, you know, we, we needed yeah. stuff. To... Uh, yeah, at least... we, haven't got, we haven't got much to talk about. I've only got another page of topics. At least two bits. <laughs> <laughs> so, Xbox Connect has been dated in Europe and will be released in the UK from the 10th of November 2010. Woo-hoo. So, a month on, have your perceptions of Connect changed at all? Mm, sort no. of. <laughs> well, there was a sort of there from Rob. Let's go straight to Rob. I've I, well, for a start, whose idea was it to do it the day after Call of Duty? That's potentially two midnight launches, two days running. It's going to be absolute mayhem uh, that week for uh, for retailers. Uh, but Connect itself. Now, I read a piece in Edge magazine, and you know how critical they are usually of stuff. Um, I have to say, it was a very, very pro. Um, pro piece for Connect, and after reading it, I'm actually sort of intrigued by some of it. Um, they didn't mention, well, they did mention slight lag, but they did mention and answer the questions that have sort of been on people's minds, like uh, can you play sitting down, how many limbs does it recognise, and all that sort of stuff, and what is actually going to be available from the outset. And I think there are going to be some key releases. I think Dance Central and Your Shape are certainly the the highlight titles for the launch. And I think if we can progress and developers can make Connect work with games, I think it could be a good thing. But but I think it's still... Too um, many beers. It's still too many beers. It's 130 beers. So it's a a lot of uh, drink. But it's also, um, I think, slightly flawed in the fact that we've lost a lot of features that we originally were meant to get. I mean, are we really going to be able to scan? I think we discussed it last episode. Are we really going to be able to scan people's clothes into the game and then share them? You know, am I going to be able to show you off my latest pair of boxers to Marty? Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if I want that feature, Rob. I'm sorry. And not on Twitpick either. Thank you. Oh, that's a shame. Well, you don't need Connect for that. <laughs> hey ho, you can find me on Chat Roulette every night. But no, I, I, it's a sort of. Um, so yeah, I'm sort of more 
inclined well, to get. I'm but. glad. I'm glad you warm into it, Rob. I mean, I still haven't seen the games yet that really uh, appeal to me. Uh, I do quite like the idea of the Dance Central, but I'm not going to shell out, as I've said before, for just the one game. Mm. There's a new one coming along, a fighter, which was announced at uh, Gamescon, which mm. is the Uncaged Fighter, which looked quite interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, and they were, they were talking about timing your moves and having some of it uh, as motion detection, but other parts of it as actually having to properly time your punches and kicks in order mm. to get those um, accurate knockouts and that sort of stuff. And that looked quite good. Uh, but the thing I noticed from the Gamescon uh, videos that were, were put up on Xbox.com, uh, it was a, a chat from Rare who was talking about how long they've had the hardware for, uh, which was they've had it for like 18 months. And they've been doing uh, prototyping for that period of time and the thing that got me was the chap said time and time again we did all of these prototypes but we kept on coming back to sports games and I, I think that it's, it's that kind of notion to me that, that that says where is the innovation with the Kinect stuff in, in the games and it, it just seems to be funneling down to this mini sports games mini tight games dance games and I'd want to see something a little bit different like Children of Eden. I just think it, it's going to take time, isn't it? Like anything. I mean, I mean, PS3 is a prime example. It's just going to take time. Um, and in fact, I've, I've spoken to people who've played on it. I mean, if you, there are, it's, it's on tour. Um, and I know our local one is down at Alton Towers. And there's been mm -hmm. people coming in from Alton Towers. And they've pre-ordered, put the 20 quids down, and they've pre-ordered it. And they say it's absolutely fantastic. And these were sort of families. Now, maybe that is, and it, it is who they're trying to, to appeal to. Um, but the feedback from people so far who've been down to place at Alton Towers, it, it's superb. Um, so, but like anyone, and, and like you, and, and probably James yourself, it's a case of getting our hands on it. And sadly, there is going to be no demo units in any stores um, because of a pathetic, um, pathetic rule, um, which doesn't allow, um, because the, the camera scans children potentially into the system, um, be, because of sort of all the, you know, uh, paedophile nature of people these days, we can't have it in any, well, no, 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 no stores can have... It's just utter nonsense, that sort it, of thing. It's, it's nonsense, isn't it? And no one can have Connect on their pods in the stores because of this pathetic rule. Um without disclaimers and, and health and safety things being signed. So it's a, it's a mix of health and safety, basically, and also um, the sort of under-16s uh, nature. So, so it, how does that work then at Alton Towers, which is a haven for the under-18s? I think, as it's, far as I understand, there is you have to sign stuff and you have to queue for it, and there's Microsoft really? on site. But as for unmanned demo units, that's a big no. And I think that's going to be potentially a bad thing for Connect. Yeah, I think it is a bad thing. Isn't uh, health and safety a wonderful thing? It's a nonsense. It's a nonsense, particularly when it comes to this sort of stuff. I think the main problem for Microsoft is Sony with the PlayStation Move can look to the Nintendo Wii and get ideas of what works well and what doesn't when what Microsoft is doing is completely new. Mm. Now, I think one of the interesting things is, is the lack of um, feedback and I've been reading lots of developers saying that they're trying to enhance a game 
visually to make you feel part of it. Now, obviously, I didn't really think of it, but I'm when you have no physical control, you have no rumble, do you? So mm. if you're playing Forza with your hands, you're not going to feel the rumble. You're not going to be no. feel sort of part of that game. And for me, that's probably the core point that is is missing from a controller-free game. And, and that was something that, uh, that James and I talked about when we did the podcast with just the two of us. Um, you and I. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about having full body suits with, with force feedback sat within that and uh, that's the sort of thing you're going to need because yeah I, I agree we're totally going to be missing that with any force feedback with, uh, so racing. full body suit and 3D glasses is where Marty's going to be in six months from now that's right I will be the gimp <laughs> <laughs> console monsters own stig <laughs> So the full 83-track song list for Rock Band 3 was leaked recently with artists such as Amy Winehouse, the B-52s, the Beach Boys, Bob Marley, John Lennon, the Police, Roxette, and many others appearing. Harmonix developers of the game later themselves released a video humorously revealing the list, providing the much-needed confirmation in their usual quirky manner. On a serious note, though, is Rock Band becoming more like any genre band due to the ever-growing need for additional variety probably but is that a bad thing well i don't think so i suppose maybe it was the wrong title in a sense to begin with but rock band sounds cool doesn't it yeah go against what guitar hero was doing don't you feel it's almost um like you just said um i don't know let's call it uh pop band or something i i just feel there's a hell of a lot of uh sort of generic um, pop music-y songs in the list. A lot, a lot of 80s stuff as well. We, don't get me wrong, it's, it's great. I, I do love... I heart the 80s. Exactly. We all love the 80s, um, especially singing to it. Um, there are some cracking songs on it, don't get me wrong, but Guitar Hero, the developers of that, have said, you know, we've gone back to Warriors of Rock and we've gone to this sort of thrashy metal sound because people didn't want the whole band element, the whole pop element, sorry. So it's almost like they've switched positions. Guitar Hero is going to come out with really hardcore metal, thrashy sort of stuff with, mixed with a bit of soft rock. And then you've got Rock Band, which has gone to sort of pop band. Is that just because though they can't compete with Rock Band's ever-increasing DLC? Pro- very probably, I would have thought, because the releases on uh, Guitar Hero have been quite poor compared to Rock Band. And Rock Band's had some fantastic releases with Jimi Hendrix stuff. That was mm. absolutely superb. I mean, just looking at the list here, we got you know John Lennon, Imagine. I mean, that superb song. Um, and it's also, not what you would call a rock song. Well, no, it's piano based. And that's they, why isn't it the keyboard? Well, exactly. yes, we, this is perhaps the thing then, because we have the keyboard introduced into the game, so they've got to have something that uses that. And Alton John, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. You know, these are the sorts of uh, dire straits walk of life the sorts of songs really that are, are perhaps karaoke classics but you don't sort of think of them as um as songs that you can play as a band um there's yeah. a rather interesting one called the muffs and outer space that's an interesting band um the, 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 <laughs> there was only really a couple in there though that, of the 83 songs that were announced there was only a few that i went what the and one of those was the Amy Winehouse rehab. I didn't see how that really fitted into the whole, mm. the whole thing. 
Um, but White Snake, here I go again. Now that would be a tune to play as a band. I mean, that'll really get sort of uh, get you going. You know, there's sort of songs, isn't there, on games that really get you in the mood to play. Well, there are uh, some fantastic tit- the titles in, in the uh, in the game. We've got uh, Space Oddity, David Bowie, brilliant mm. song. Deep Purple, Smoke on the Water. Those are both classics. Bloody Devo and Whippet. Uh, it keeps appearing in every game at the moment, Devo. Lips, I think he's in... Uh, was on Guitar guitar Hero, download content, and various other, I think, SingStar. Devo, he's everywhere. Well, there's certainly a certain amount of songs that I've bought on Lips and I've bought on Guitar Hero and I've bought on uh, SingStar and I've, I've bought on Rock Band. So there does seem to be quite a lot of uh, stuff that goes across all these different titles. And I, it's difficult to keep track of as well. And then I try to think, oh, I've already got this on one of my, my uh, PS2 SingStar discs because they work with the PlayStation 3 SingStar titles. Ah. Uh, and, and you recently, Rob, didn't you, you buy a song on Lips that you'd already bought before? I did. I was so frustrated. I think, uh, did we? I can't remember whether I mentioned it last podcast, the, I don't think we did, but uh, yeah, there was a, a song pack. Uh, yeah, there was a song pack for the free downloads that you got when you purchased number one hits. And silly old me did not check, because I've got like hundreds of songs, did not check if I'd got this particular song. So I was flicking through the latest releases and went, oh yeah, there's a good song. Oh yeah. Went and downloaded it, only got into Lips itself and noticed there was two disc arts for it and thought, oh, for Christ's sake, you know, there's... <laughs> 160 points down the drain and and it was really frustrating why can't it recognize yeah uh, that 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 you've downloaded in the same title that's and that's that's, that's 1.6 beers it is so you're that's probably about one beer actually <laughs> almost well, exactly well no it is it's one beer with with discount at work so and no, I was i was annoyed but um no it's a cracking cracking list um looking forward to it well, I'll be buying it. What about you, Marty? Yeah, I'll definitely be buying this one, I think. And Rob? I think, yes. Now, I've been playing uh, Green Day Rock Band the last week, um, and I think it's got me in the mood. I think I find Rock Band a little more forgiving on the harder modes. Yeah, uh, definitely. So I think I will give it a crack, um, because Rock Band 2 became quite scarce, so I think it's going to be a sort of day one buy, really, because um, Rock Band 2 is really, really difficult to get pick up. Um, and it's still demanding pretty high prices second hand as well it, it's probably, for, probably for that reason yeah it, it's really really rare um, I mean pre-owned is uh, I think it's probably about 35 quid still Ooh. so it's very very steep but even the original rock band's quite hard to come by now um, so uh, no it, it should be a day one purchase for that reason because if you leave it you're not going to get it, which is entirely what happened with me in Rock Band 2. So, mm. And are you tempted to get the new keyboard controller at all? Does it, do we know how much that's going to be? Do you, do you any of you guys know how much that's costing? No, but if it was anything to do with the uh, guitar controllers, we can expect it to be 40 to £60, pounds, I would think. Mm. And what about the six-string instruments? Is there any sort of cost to those yet or is it just the same it's, at the moment they've not, they've not released anything to do with that other than they exist mm. I, I, I don't know I think uh, it's an interesting device but I don't I tend to just play guitar uh, guitar or bass I can't be bothered with the drum kit um, 
mainly it's sort of sits in the room I'm in now and it's mm. all unplugged. It looks unhappy. It's getting a bit dusty, but I, I and can't. it takes a lot more practice as well to do the drums properly. Oh, it does. I, I can do the drumming. I can't do the the foot pedal. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it in sync. So basically, I'm a, a useless drummer. So don't start inviting me to be in, in your band or the goalie or the goalie. So what about you, Marty? Any additional controllers? I could be tempted to buy the keyboard controller. I'm not. I'm not much of a of a uh, pianist. I did say pianist, <laughs> <laughs> but like Rob, I'm, I'm more into the guitar controller side of things because I've had that from Guitar Hero One and Guitar Hero Two. I'm still using my Guitar Hero Three controller with all the other games. Well, if they do a MIDI adapter, I might be tempted to get that so I can plug my Yamaha Taurus Three into the game. Now that would be fun. Yeah, that's very technical. Yamaha Taurus. Oh, yes, it's the flagship keyboard from Yamaha. I bet it is. I went not a keyboard, actually, but I couldn't play it much. I put it on auto, and that was it. Job done. You put it on auto, does that mean you just stare at it, and it plays? Oh, you know those musical tunes they play if you press a certain button? Oh, yes, <laughs> like a demo button. <laughs> yeah, demo button, and pretended to play to the demo, and everyone was like, ooh. But no, I was like rubbish. It. I did that to my grand once. She was very impressed until I stood up when it was still playing. <laughs> that was an error. Well, you could have been doing that with your pianist. I was very young. We'll not go there, Marty. Thank you very much. That's enough of that, young sir. You animal. GameSpot revealed that the UK's Advertising Standards Authority has upheld an objection over a television advert for the Xbox 360 version of Final Fantasy XIII, ruling that the ad breached advertising standards codes against misleading advertising and must not be broadcast again in its current form. A viewer had complained that the ad was misleading because the game footage used was taken from the PS3 version of the game and not the Xbox 360. The ASA concluded that Final Fantasy XIII ad was the Xbox 360 version should have featured footage derived from that console in spite of Square Enix's defence regarding FMV capture. It ruled that the ad was misleading because we considered that the PS3 footage in the ad exaggerated the quality of the footage available on the Xbox 360, albeit marginally. So is this completely bonkers, or does this actually make sense? (laughs) And I don't mean my impersonation. (laughs) I I thought your impersonations were very, very good. Oh, thank you very much. I was trying to sound all authoritative. And you were, and I was almost scared. Got both versions of the game. I've got the PS3 version. I've got the Xbox 360 version. Okay, first question. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> because I I pre-ordered the X, uh, the PS3 version, and I then got the Xbox 3 version uh, for review for Console Monster. Ooh, so okay, the FMV quality. Did you notice any difference whatsoever? Albeit marginally, there is there's certainly a higher resolution FMV. Less pixelation. It, it's marginal. It really is very, very, very marginal. And I think unless you were looking at these two games side by side, you'd be hard pushed to see any poor quality graphics at all. I'm, by no means is the Xbox 360 version a bad looking game. In fact, in places, I think it's absolutely stunning looking. So, considering uh, that the ad would actually be shown on television in standard definition anyway, is there any point in all of this? It, well, I, I guess the ASA's argument and why they've upheld the ruling is because it was misleading. It wasn't footage from the Xbox 360 game in an Xbox 360 advert, and they weren't explicit to say this is not game footage from the Xbox 360. So 
from that point of view, the ASA was right because they have to rule to certain uh, rules on their on their sheet that they check off, and if it fails against those things, then it's uh, it's a fail. So, yeah, the ruling's correct. Is it a nonsense ruling? Probably because both games are very very similar, and uh, I don't think they're a brilliant game, but uh, in terms of looks, yeah, very similar indeed. I suppose if they give Lee Ray there, the world may end because all sorts of disastrous ads may get past them. Well, this is it, and they they have to rule from from their from their line, don't they? So I, I think the ASA is just it, it, it's kind of right, but it's also it's also a bit pathetic. But then, so is anything related to adverts these days. I mean, you've seen all the warning messages they slap across the bottom now. Um, and yeah, it's because adverts are misleading. I mean, look at all these salon product ones and all your beauty and stuff. They, you know, they have to say now that you know so and so Shell Cole in her, you know, um, I was going to say Gillette advert, but I, I do believe she doesn't. Oh. Um, but <laughs> She's Cheryl got a Cole. beard secretly. Watch out, <laughs> fellas. Well, she <laughs> could be shaving, shaving elsewhere, couldn't she? Marty, <laughs> Marty. But <laughs> I was talking under her arms. Well, she's not a German there. <laughs> But no, I think I think they're probably right to do it because if they don't do it for Final Fantasy, um, then it was unfair for all the other adverts, whether it be for you know cornflakes or for some sort of beer or uh, or okay or something like that. Um, it, it, exactly, that's that's the whole point, and that's where they have to line and they they ruled mm. properly, whether or not we think it's stupid, which I think it is stupid, but, but it, it's it, their line and they have to they have to stand to it. Yeah, and the, there is the, the case as well, and I think it's very useful now that at the bottom of games adverts, they put not actual game footage because there was some very misleading adverts years ago where, you know, you'd see the video sequences and people would be like, oh, the, you know, this looks awesome. And you get the game and the graphics were below par. Um, to see the Mario adverts now and all that sort of thing, unless there is actual gameplay footage, you'll get that little white text at the bottom. And I think that's actually, I think that's very good. And I think that was a wise move for the ASA they, to start. Not, not, not doing that at uh, the E3s and that though, are they? With the, not <laughs> the whole Killzone 2 stuff, which was projected footage of how the game might look. Yeah, I mean, that it's misleading in that sense, but it's very important on television to not mislead viewers Um and I think I will say that the ASA have made the right decision. Well, I, I would say that the advert didn't mislead people. I don't think that they mislead. would go into that game. No, I don't, I don't think particularly they did. It wouldn't mislead, but I just think on a, on a you know, being fair, then it had to be fair because yep. it wasn't representing, the, you know, the nature of the, the, the game itself on that respective consoles so absolutely if they'd have explicitly stated that this was not actual game footage then they'd have gotten away with it and that's what they they failed to do news of developer real-time worlds losing staff and then rehiring appeared recently the administrator mentioned there are potential buyers in the uk and us that expressed interest in acquiring the studio so to find out more i sent marty to do a little research so what did you find out marty yeah, this this story is a bit sad, really, because Real Time Worlds has produced some excellent games, not least of which has been Crackdown. And they sadly, since the seventeenth of August, have gone into administration. A lot of this has been down to a game that they've been developing on uh, the PC, which is an MMO 
RPG called All Points Bulletin, uh, and it was released quite recently, about a month ago, I think, and sadly got really mediocre reviews, and the average was around 60%, and people really haven't been purchasing and, and taking it up, which is uh, sad for real-time worlds, but uh, they've spent quite a lot of time developing this, and they've had quite a lot of investment in this as well, uh, somewhere in the region of $100 million dollars which is no small amount of money. And if you can't produce a decent game at the end of that sort of investment, then maybe you should be in administration. They were hoping that the game APB was going to generate, uh, and the quote was, millions of pounds, and it's so far failed to do so, and they're currently about three million pounds in the red. Uh, so they've had to call in the administrators. But the thing that, that's jumped on top of this as well is, is this political point scoring thing. Um, we talked in a podcast uh, previously about this games the games tax games release uh, relief tax uh, for uh, for games developers where they would get some tax back which uh, would probably help new startup companies because they they've got a bit more money to play with uh, and Ed Balls who was the potential next leader of the Labour Party made a political standpoint saying no we shouldn't have scrapped it because this might have helped and the reality is he is living up to his name and talking because with a hundred million pound investment, how is a little bit of tax relief really going to help on that? But they are working on another project called My World, and uh, they've rehired a few of the staff. So hopefully, it's really sad when people lose their lose their jobs, and they were they were employing somewhere around two hundred people, and they're only rehired about ten percent, ten twelve percent of those people. So it's not quite over yet, but. The future's not looking that great at the moment, but there's it, potential of something that another interested company in the UK or US may take them over and continue where they left off yeah. in a more positive manner. And I've said that they're going to continue to support All Points Bulletin, which is good for the people who have stumped up for subscriptions and stuff. Um, but who knows what's going to happen in the future with that one. It's, it's always doom and gloom, isn't it? And it is a shame. We never hear of anything positive these days with regards to jobs but you know in the industry i mean yeah there's a lot of indie developers who are thriving through things like the xbox live indie marketplace and uh, the playstation network and the WiiWare. but in terms of companies i think everyone's just shedding jobs and it's like well where do all those people yeah. if every company's shedding jobs there's just no jobs for other people well, there, um, is, there is there is a, a cycle of development, and people get hired on a temporary basis, and they get laid off. So, a lot of the stories that we see about games developers uh, uh, laying off people are just part of that development cycle because you have that crunch time, and you need to hire more people. Um, but what you were talking about, um, indie developers, and one of the largest indie developers in in the world uh, is Chrome Studios, and the day after the announcement of um, of uh, real-time worlds going to administration, they also announced that they were closing down one of their studios and cutting a staff at another two of them. Uh, Chrome are uh, an Australian developer, and you might have actually heard of a couple of the games that they've done, which uh, things like uh, Legend of Spyro, uh, Star Wars: The Force Unleashed, Seen It, Box Office Smash, and perhaps most recently the. Uh, pretty mediocre or maybe even below average uh, game room on Xbox 360. <laughs> so there's a few jobs there and they were employing about 300 people. So I'm not sure how many people were laid off, but it sounds like a 
a good chunk at them were. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for them. But, you know, if you develop bad games, then you're going to lose money. So don't develop bad games. That's my tip. I'm sure there'll still be people who, who do not heed that advice, sadly. Well, well I've certainly got plenty of evidence of it. Well, we have. And, and I think it's difficult. You, you go into these long development cycles, and I'm sure people never, never set up thinking we're going to develop a really crap game because that would be really, really good value for money. Um, so... No, but you get to a point in development where maybe you should chuck these things away. And because you've invested so much, then you have to put it out. Resistance 3 was mentioned at Gamescom, but other than a brief mention, did we actually learn anything else? We didn't. So, moving on. Any other Gamescom news worth mentioning? Um, Halo Reach, Fable 3, for example. Yeah, these these were announcements that... Uh, well, we'd, we'd, they've been announcements at E3 and in the past but they give a little bit more detail at the recent Gamescom uh, conference one of them that I've uh, really been quite impressed with is Fable 3 uh, they seem to have a, a kind of two-tier approach to this game and maybe Peter Molyneux has got this one right and all of his promises are going to come to fruition with Fable 3 ooh. He, ooh, and yeah, it sounds really really promising they've taken the story of having this this tyrant of a king and you have to go through the story and get followers and, and, and build up a, a resistance within the town to overthrow the king. But then you actually become the king in the game. And then you understand why he had to be this tyrant uh, to control the kingdom in the way that he did. And then you've got to make decisions about running the kingdom. So it does sound very much like a two-tier game of being uh, a hack-and-slash adventure and then more of a an RPG kind of uh, strategy game. I, I'm, I'm really quite interested to see how this one's going to play out. And that's coming out on the 26th of October. It is. That's uh, a month and a bit away from the Halo Reach game, uh, which again looks like a, a reinvigoration of the Halo franchise. And you've pre-ordered it. so I have, I have pre-ordered it, yes. So something really excited you about Gamescom and Halo Reach, what was it? It was the fact that it's gone back more to the Halo 1 uh, type adventuring. In Halo 1, the levels were very, very open and you could do a lot of wandering around and looking about and exploring the environments. Whereas Halo 2 and Halo 3 trot you down quite a narrow path, actually. Um, with Halo Reach, they're trying to go back to that whole exploration thing. And uh, the graphic improvements actually seem quite impressive weren't so evident in the multiplayer game but that's multiplayer where they're trying to get the frame rates up and and everything else but uh, the, the first footage i've seen of the single player game looks very promising indeed that is all we have time for on this latest episode of the monster cast don't forget to visit the consolemonster.com website where we have news reviews previews achievement and trophy game listings and of course our active discussion forum where we love to read your comments especially regarding our podcast if you use Twitter, make sure you follow at Console Monster, at MartyPG13, at Rob Rymond, and at James Woodcock. And if you own an Apple iPhone, you can purchase for just 59p the Console Monster Guide to catch up with all the latest developments and stream our podcasts all on your portable Apple gadget. And of course, it's also on Android now. Yes, indeed. So from me, James Woodcock, and all my guests, we will bye see bye. you next time from the MonsterCast. Ta-ta. Bye-bye. 